Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast It is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, welcoming you back to the show this week. And here we go again, race one in the books. Uh, Austrian Grand Prix, of course, went down last weekend. As I sit here in the last few hours, the, the, the waning hours of Thursday, July 9th, 2020, we are now just a, a couple of days away from uh, race number two, the Styrian Grand Prix. And more importantly, we're only about three and a half hours away from FP1. And uh, it's certainly going to be very interesting to see what with uh, back-to-back races on back-to-back re- weekends at the same circuit. Who's learned what? Who's improved? Or what's uh, this race going to have in store for us? I think that really is going to be the uh, the big interesting thing to watch because it was uh, it was fun. I really enjoyed the race uh, last weekend and I don't think that was purely just uh, because of the, the the fact that it's been several months beyond the very first uh, planned Grand Prix of 2020 and all the horrible, nasty and uh, strange things that have happened in the past uh, several months and uh, everything, uh, the, the continued problems that uh, we're seeing uh, around the world with the coronavirus. But it was, of course, great to get back to racing the, this past weekend. And of course, the the, the enforced layoffs and all the things that have uh, gone on uh, in Formula One really lent uh, to some of the, the, the chaos uh, on the track in a good way. I mean, reliability was uh, was was a big factor. And, you know, it was strange, you know, to, to watch the cars going around the circuit uh, with uh, obviously no people there but still from a TV point of view I thought for for my part I think it worked uh, it was also a bit strange to see uh, an obvious lack of people in and around the facility I think uh, more so when you see like some of the uh, the overhead uh, pictures and you don't see lots of people in the uh, the areas behind the pits obviously in the pits itself it um, you know obviously uh, the, uh, you know people uh, the, the numbers of uh, people at the facility restricted for for obvious reasons reasons um, you know this bubble for coronavirus and all that but the spectacle itself the race itself i think it uh, worked very well and uh, just with all the drama with uh, the reliability in cars or lack thereof and uh, some of the issue that uh, the guys were having during the race the safety cars different strategies and stuff like that i think it uh, it, it all made for a very enjoyable uh, race and uh, certainly there was no lack of uh, drama but let, let's just go over quickly uh, to, to recap uh, what happened in the race uh, last weekend um, if you want to go back can get the race recap just go back in the feed uh, because I did do the the post race uh, show uh, immediately after the race uh, was over ran down into the studio and uh, just uh, got it right off uh, and out into uh, available to listen to so we're not going to really talk too much specifically about um, the the race itself we're going to touch on uh, some of the stories and some of the events uh, that happened and and why wouldn't we this uh, this Albon Hamilton um, it's starting to become a thing between these two guys and uh, Total Wolf saying that um, the 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 gloves are off between Mercedes and Red Bull. So there's a bit of bad blood brewing there. And I think that uh, could make for some good things on the track. Anyways, usually in this situation, I would go back and maybe do the top five or top 10 guys that uh, finished this race. Last year at the 2019 Austrian Grand Prix, we didn't have a single retirement for any reason for, for a crash, reliability, 
all 20 cars, started, did the 71 laps, and finished this past weekend. However, we lost nine cars. Uh, the very last one uh, was um, it was uh, Alex Albon. Sorry, no, it was uh, Danny Kvyat, just two laps uh, from the end. But uh, it seemed guys were dropping out every couple of laps towards uh, the end there. Anyways, uh, the top 10 were Valtteri Bottas uh, winning it for Mercedes, Charles Leclerc and Ferrari, Lando Norris, the youngster getting P3 in his first podium for uh, McLaren. Uh, that was uh, great to see. Lewis Hamilton after the the five-second uh, penalty that uh, was awarded to him for the, the coming together he had with uh, Alex Albon. Dropped down to fourth, Carlos Sainz uh, rounding out um, the top five and uh, two McLarens in the top five. Great results uh, for them. A very good uh, weekend uh, for McLaren in Austria last week. Another car, uh, another driver strong showing was uh, Sergio Perez. I think there's obviously something to this RP20, the pink Mercedes. Uh, looked uh, pretty good. Uh, Pierre Gasly, P7 in the Alpha Tauri Honda. Alex Albon in, sorry, Esteban Ocon, I should say, in the Renault. Uh, P9 was uh, Antonio Giovinazzi. P10 was Sebastian Vettel, who dropped way down in the race order after that uh, coming together he had uh, with uh, Carlos Sainz at turn three. And then Nicholas Latifi in the uh, sole uh, surviving Mercedes. And uh, the young Canadian coming home in P11 just missed out on the points in his four. Formula One uh, debut, but uh, certainly uh, that was a, a race that had uh, its fair share of uh, drama, and certainly uh, a couple of the big talking points there was the the, the penalty that was uh, awarded to Hamilton on the uh, well, just um, in the hours preceding the Grand Prix, uh, Red Bull launching a protest uh, that uh, Hamilton was uh, did not slow after the yellows were waved during qualifying after um, uh, Bottas messed it up on his final hot lap in Q3, went onto the grass. And and uh, Lewis on his hot lap as well, right at the very end there, trying to charge down and take a provisional pole away from his teammate. That didn't uh, work out. And then, of course, later on in the race, Alex Albon and uh, Lewis Hamilton coming together at uh, just on the, uh, the the end of turn four. And Alex Albon ending up in the, in the gravel. And Alex... He said that uh, that accident um, cost him an opportunity to win that race. And uh, considering that uh, the, the the two Mercedes cars were on um, older, hard compound, uh, compound tires, and uh, basically everybody else except for uh, Sergio Perez went in during the safety cars, at least one of those safety car periods, to change for softer, fresher rubber. I think he uh, absolutely has a point. He certainly was uh, had uh, plenty of uh, pace on uh, on Lewis Hamilton. I guess you could maybe make the the argument that uh, Alex uh, maybe should have bided his time uh, a little bit more, but I guess he wanted to strike before the uh, before things settled down and the the race got back into a rhythm. And uh, certainly he was climbing all over the back of Lewis Hamilton's gearbox all the way around uh, after the restart uh, around that first half of the lap. Uh, unfortunately, that uh, that that worked out, but. Certainly a lot of bad blood uh, brewing between Mercedes and uh, and Red Bull and uh, could set up some nice uh, intense rivalries uh, on, on the track. But you just have to know that uh, that weekend was obviously very, very frustrating for for, for Lewis Hamilton. Not only the the, the, the multiple penalties that he uh, that uh, they had to face, uh, there was also the issue that they had with the car and then, uh, you know, losing out points uh, to his teammates. And uh, well, Lewis doesn't take uh, th- those things um, very good. Well, I mean, he deals with it professionally, but I always get the the, the impression that uh, he gets severely unhappy and uh, dissatisfied with uh, you know when things do not go 
uh, the, the way that uh, they, they should in his mind. So I, I would expect to see Lewis come back with a chip on his shoulder uh, for for this weekend. And I, I I don't know what to make with some of the reports that have been going around for the past couple of days that the that the title this year is going to be between Lewis Hamilton and, and Valtteri Bottas. I think it's uh, far too early to say. Obviously, we, we're not going to have the 22 races uh, for the entire season to sort, uh, sort it out. So it might be a sprint rather than a marathon. But I don't know. I, I think it's a little bit uh, too early to say uh, whether or not it's going to be t- uh, between those two guys. And if uh, things, uh, you know, if Lewis gets into his uh, into his groove, gets into that rhythm, I really don't know uh, if uh, Valtteri Bottas can can mention him. I mean, it's far too early to say as well. I mean, last year Bottas came out very strong in the opening race in uh, Australia, but then when once Lewis hit his stride, he was just racking up the the, the points and the wins all the time, and he soon uh, shortly um, asserted himself at the top of the world championship and it really was um, a question of uh, when and uh, and not if uh, Lewis was going to win the uh, the title in uh, 2019 Anyways, uh, let's get into the news. And of uh, course, there are plenty of uh, things uh, to talk about. Uh, first off, uh, Mercedes and Ferrari are uh, set to get a warning for breaching um, the, the coronavirus uh, protocols that have been uh, implemented uh, by Formula One in this uh, this bubble and this uh, you know the, the whole safety thing that they have to, to pro- uh, prevent uh, the spread of uh, COVID nineteen within the, the Formula One um, uh, paddock. Anyways, um, what happened? Uh, was after the race uh, last weekend. Um, Lu- sorry, not Lewis Hamilton. Uh, Valtteri Bottas and uh, Charles Leclerc uh, returned home to Monaco after the Grand Prix. But uh, the, the code of gun uh, conduct does not prevent um, uh, people attending uh, uh, the, the Formula One events to travel away from the venues between the races. But it is very strict uh, about them staying within uh, their own quote uh, social bubbles and uh, not mixing uh, beyond them. Um, anyways, uh, Bottas was then uh, posting on social media about. Uh, uh, enjoying some time out in uh, Monaco and then uh, Charles Leclerc was posting on his Twitter Instagram whatever it was that um, he was uh, out uh, taking pictures with friends and fans and uh, there was one uh, one picture in particular where Charles did not have a mask on or anything like that so anyway so the FIA would uh, did take a, a little bit of an examination or an investigation in what uh, went on and uh, they will uh, be in touch with uh, both of the drivers teams to remind them that they need to strictly follow the code of Conduct uh, that they put in place to uh, all the uh, the attendees uh, for the uh, you know for the two races in uh, in Austria. So, I mean, uh, considering uh, what's at stake and um, that, uh, that that all the teams have worked very hard to to, to ensure that um, you know, things uh, you know stay you know, like everybody stays healthy and um, that they can keep COVID out of the paddock uh, during these races. Even if they return home, if that's uh, permitted, I'm sure that uh, they, they have a more I think that uh, they would be traveling in different ways uh, than than you or I would. Uh, And uh, to ask them over the course of what's probably going to be a very short Formula One season, to ask them uh, and expect them to stay away from uh, doing these sorts of things uh, doesn't seem like an unreasonable ask. I mean, especially what, uh, you know, they're they're being uh, paid and contracted to, to do by their teams. It doesn't seem like uh, it should be all that difficult to, uh, you know, stay away from, uh, you know, too many people and stuff like that over the next uh, weeks in months. Anyways, uh, moving along, the big, big news this year. Fernando Alonso, remember that guy? Yes, won two world championships with Renault back in 2005 and 2006. Uh, spent some time at McLaren, another little team that you might have heard of called Ferrari, and then back to McLaren, and then out of Formula One, wins Le 
Maw a couple of times, gives uh, India a shot a couple of times, does very good in his uh, in his debut. Anyways, remember that guy? Of course you do. Anyways, big news this week, Fernando Alonso signing a two-year deal with Renault for 2021 and 2022. And honestly, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised uh, <laughs> in equal measures. And well, let's be fair. I mean, Fernando, although an extremely talented driver, has ruffled some feathers during his time in, in Formula One. Um, and, and that's just the the, the the way it is. Um, you know, Fernando just is the way that Fernando is. And when he left uh, Formula One um, after his time, second stint uh, with uh, McLaren, it was always interesting because he always said that, uh, well, I take a look at the way things are going in a couple of years, specifically looking at uh, 2021 when the new regulations, which are now obviously uh, delayed until 2022 because of COVID, uh it was interesting because he would always say that he was looking towards that and uh, if he was going to decide to come back to Formula One. And it always seemed to me that it was a very sure thing in Fernando's mind. And I was always wondering, well, especially last year when you saw at McLaren how well Sainz and, and, and Carlos, uh, sorry, and uh, Lando Norris did, that it, it didn't really, to my mind, make a lot of sense to disrupt that partnership if those two guys were still together at the end of uh, 2020 if they had another good year. However, that uh, obviously didn't come to pass. And you could see that uh, maybe there was, um, you know, still a relationship with uh, with Renault. But I didn't really get the the, the, the feeling that he parted ways um, badly with McLaren, that there was any anything there at all. I, you know, quite the opposite, in fact. But anyways, uh, Fernando coming back on a two-year deal to, uh, to to Renault to give uh, Formula One another another shot. He's going to be uh, partnering uh, Esteban Ocon, who uh, had his Renault debut uh, last weekend. Not a really lights-out uh, performance uh, for him, but of course, first race of the year, first uh, race back in Formula One in a couple of years for Esteban. And of course, with all the weirdness and everything that's gone on the past couple of months, maybe a, a little bit uh, too soon to expect something. I mean, I, I think he's a very good driver. I think he's uh, obviously Formula One quality. I think he's going to need a little bit of time just to really uh, find his place in Formula One. I mean, he's still fairly young, right? I, uh, but uh, I think that Esteban is going to need a, a little bit of uh, time to grow into Formula One and mature a little bit. And certainly having a teammate uh, like Fernando Alonso is going to do a, a lot uh, for him. But yeah, like I say, I, I think that it, it surprised me that, but it didn't that he came back uh, so soon, and uh, well, obviously that uh, what seemed to be, at least in the Fernando's mind, a, a little bit of a, a sure thing or may, maybe something that was a certainty. There's obviously something uh, uh, to that. So we'll see how he does in his return to Renault next uh, next year. Uh, they've already said that they're not planning any in-season tests uh, for him this uh, this year at all. So it'll be basically a, a fresh start for Fernando in 2021. Anyways, uh, time for a break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, 
Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Sticking with the the, the big news of uh, Fernando Alonso, uh, one of the reasons that he said he was going to come back uh, with uh, with Renault for for uh, those two years in twenty one and twenty two, is he says that uh, by doing so, it gives him the the biggest chance to return to the highest uh, level. And uh, of course, uh, like I said earlier, and this is obviously uh, common uh, knowledge, uh, Fernando won uh, the, his only uh, two world championships with said uh, team, Renault, back in two thousand five and two thousand. 2006, and uh, this is actually his uh, third stint uh, with uh, with uh, Renault. And uh, Fernando, of course, has not been in Formula One since uh, the end of t- 2018, so he's going to miss uh, two full uh, seasons. Anyways, uh, he did have the following to say, and this is a Fernando quote: "It is a great source of pride, and with an immense emotion, I'm returning to the team that gave me my chance at the start of my career, and which now gives me the opportunity to return to the highest level. I have principles and ambitions in lines with the team's project." Uh, progress uh, this winter gives the credibility to the objectives for the 2022 season. I will share all my racing experience with everyone from the engineers to the mechanics and my teammates. The team wants and has the means to get back on the podium as do I, end quote. So yeah, I mean, it, it is very interesting just to see how uh, everything has uh, shifted around in the, uh, the the past couple of months. Obviously, Renault at this moment is not uh, one of the top teams, uh, but uh, just uh, kind of going back a couple of months ago, well, more than a couple of months ago, going back to last winter and just uh, a lot of the speculation at that time that uh, that that when it was all said and done that the there was going to be status quo at the top uh, three teams you were going to see uh, Leclerc and Vettel at Ferrari Hamilton and Bottas at uh, Mercedes and then uh, Verstappen and Albon at uh, at, at Red Bull so <laughs> there, there's still a lot of uh, you know question marks there, there there's uh, you know nothing has been formally announced uh, for what's going to happen to Mercedes next year uh, Bottas on a on a one-year deal Hamilton in the last year of, uh, of his contract there uh, you know no word on how that's uh, that, that's going um, there, there's a bit of a hint which we'll get to in a little bit here um, so yeah we'll see how that uh, all works out but still I mean the way that things uh, really have shifted around um, I mean it made sense for uh, Ferrari and Red Bull to lock down guys like uh, Leclerc and uh, Verstappen but then uh, when you had that uh, you know really shocking announcement that uh, Vettel was uh, not going to to come back to uh, Ferrari for next year. I didn't expect he'd stay there for long term, but I thought he might get a, a one year extension or something like that. Anyways, well, with him leaving and now um, uh, the science going to Ferrari for next year, obviously there was uh, you know the opportunity that uh, maybe uh, 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 Renault would be a possible landing spot uh, for Sebastian Vettel. I mean that's just uh, speculation in a lot of people's uh, mind, but um, obviously what with uh, Fernando going there for the next couple of years, that one uh, is gone because you know Esteban Ocon is still there so who knows what's happening at uh, Mercedes nobody knows uh, Bottas uh, had said in the media a couple of weeks ago he doesn't expect that's going to happen and uh, he's been told that uh, Vettel will not go there uh, Red Bull uh, you know Christian Horner said a couple of weeks ago uh, that uh, that that they couldn't afford to, to, to pay or they, they didn't really have the means to, uh, to to pay out a huge salary that uh, perhaps uh, that, that Vettel might want, so it is very interesting. And 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 uh, Alonso coming back, 
like I said, it, it is a surprise, but it isn't in equal uh, measures. And the the only thing that uh, that that I have is uh, you know how is uh, Fernando going to fit into the team? Because like I say, I mean he's ruffled some feathers during his time in in Formula One over the years. Anyways, uh, according to Renault uh, team boss Cyril Abitaboul, uh, he believes that uh, that Fernando is a totally different uh, person and and a totally different uh, character. And uh, Abitaboul said in an interview with Motorsport.com this week. Quote, I think that the years uh, he has had away from the track have probably been an opportunity for him to reset, to actually measure how lucky or privileged we all are of us to operate and perform in Formula One, and probably come with a fresh set of mind. Let's not forget how the competition, it can be toxic on people, on individuals, you know, no matter how hard you try or how hard you work, you can't win, and it's the sport that is doing that. I'm not surprised that as a sport that's had, uh, is creating this type of situation and therefore legacy, but it's also why he is was so interested in this new profile for the sport and maybe the opportunity to bring in a new Fernando into F1. End quote. So very interesting. Um, and I guess, uh, too, you know, having that opportunity to, to, to be away from Formula One for a couple of years and uh, and try some different things. And and like I say, I mean, he never really shut the door completely on, on, on Formula One. Some of us uh, may have been a little bit ske- uh, skeptical at the time after that last race in, uh, in 2018 that we'd ever see for, um, Fernando Alonso back in a Formula One car. So it, it is going to be a, a very interesting situation uh, to watch over the next uh, couple of years. It's uh, obviously an in-between year for everybody this year, not just Renault for for a multi, you know, m- many many reasons. I mean, you've got uh, Carlos Sainz moving to uh, Ferrari from uh, Merce- uh, McLaren. You got Ricardo going to uh, he's going to McLaren, leaving uh, Renault, and so there, there's a lot of things going on. But uh, you can tell that uh, Fernando obviously eager to get in because apparently he's already been uh, messaging his uh, new teammate uh, Esteban Ocon about uh, the the plans uh, for, for next year. You have to think if you're a young guy like uh, Esteban Ocon who has uh, who has talent, who uh, wants to make uh, his mark in Formula One and be a good driver, you must uh, really be looking forward to, to the opportunity uh, to work with a, a guy like uh, Fernando Alonso. So of course, when it comes to race day, you're going to want to get the the, the best results uh, that, that that you can. But uh, you know, for, for an opportunity to work with a, a guy that's still obviously very fast in an, in a racing car, who's uh, you know won races in the past, has won world championships, that uh, that that you'd be uh, you know watering at the mouth uh, to do so. Anyways, uh, Esteban had to say, "quote He's very very motivated. I had him on the text yesterday, and he's very keen to come back. We just chatted about the opportunity there is in the next years." and how the field is close at the moment. I think there's a good chance of doing well if we work well together." End quote. So th- th- that is uh, obviously a very interesting take as well. And uh, we did see how how tight things were. I mean, you, you look at uh, th- this past weekend, uh, just uh, some of the teams that uh, were up there. Of course, attrition had a lot of uh, a lot to do with it in the race uh, last week in Austria. But still, uh, you know, lots of uh, lots of things going on. And we'll see this week and in the races to come how this uh, you know the the the, uh, the the running order, the 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 pecking order in Formula One kind of uh, settles down. Anyway. Esteban did have to go on and say, quote, so far, uh, what I know is Fernando is a very cool guy. I know we've chatted a lot uh, of times when he was on the track, and we also had quite a few text messages before he came, but now he's uh, very keen to come back. He is very keen to make the project uh, move forward. He's very aware of what we need to do and what the chances are. And You know, I'm pretty sure we can have a great collaboration together, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, again, uh, Renault, this is a team that's uh, 
done it before, won uh, world championships both as a constructor and as an engine supplier. And um, they have been a bit of a frustrating team to watch over the past uh, couple of years uh, since they came back and uh, revived uh, Lotus and uh, became a a, uh, a manufacturer team in their own right. Uh, they, they just have kind of uh, petered out a little bit. And it, it's been, like I say, a little bit uh, frustrating to watch and uh, hopefully uh, getting, uh, you know, changing things up away in, in in a good way, I should say, uh, what with uh, Ricardo leaving and um, and and Alonso coming back. Not that you know Ricardo's a drain or a negative uh, influence on the situation at the moment, but certainly I think that um, a, a guy with the the stature, I guess you could say, of uh, Fernando Alonso must uh, really. Uh, be exciting people there and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, influence that uh, Fernando has coming back and see if that uh, how that motivates them to to push them forward because I mean Renault is a big company I mean they, they have the financial means to do well they've in the past been able to do well and I'm just um, interested to see how that's going to translate when it comes to uh, improving their car because they, they've kind of stagnated uh, over the past uh, couple of years. I mean, they said it was going to take them several years to get back on track and to the point where they'd be competing for podiums, and uh, that hasn't happened yet. And uh, even before this season got going, uh, Abita Bull was even saying that uh, these podiums probably aren't going to happen uh, next year. So they're going to have to make a, a bit of a quantum leap forward over the next uh, 18 to 24 months uh, to do so, to be in that uh, position to, to challenge for podiums either next year or definitely in 2022 when the new regs come in. And certainly that's uh, going to be the, you know, the, the one benchmark or milestone that they're going to be looking for to, to try and get to podiums when uh, Fernando is uh, on the team. All right. Well, despite the fact that um, uh, Alonso's coming back for two years, for 2021 and 2022, uh, Abita Bull says uh, that uh, the their F1 Academy at Renault is uh, still a thing. They're still very serious about it. And, uh, and he said it's not a lack of interest or loyalty to their young driver program. I mean, they've got some good drivers. If you're watching um, the F2 races last weekend, I mean, you got Guan Yu Zhou and Christian uh, Lundegaard, and uh, they're both racing in the F2 this year. And um, uh, Bull did uh, say that the original plan was potentially to move one of them into F1 as early as next year. Obviously, with uh, you get a guy with the stature um, and uh, I guess the influence of uh, Fernando Alonso does uh, change that up uh, a little bit. But uh, certainly, uh, what I saw from uh, from Zhu, uh, especially uh, last weekend, and I don't really follow F2 all that close. I'd like to, but in normal times uh, when you know we're we're not, uh, you know, sheltering in place because of pandemics. Uh, I don't really get a lot of time left over to watch uh, Formula 2, but certainly what I saw last week, especially in the sprint race, uh, that that was really good. Uh, the, the, the opening lap was uh, really quite exciting to watch, uh, especially from, uh, from Ju. So uh, also... Uh, we'll have to see going forward, um, especially now. I mean, for those guys, might be a little bit frustrating thinking, okay, well, one of us might have had a shot to get into that car in 21, and now at the, the very earliest, unless uh, something uh, changes, that that's uh, going to be uh, delayed a couple of years, that uh, perhaps one of us won't get into a Renault at least until uh, 2023. Anyways, let's talk now about some of the drama that went on this uh, past weekend. So Christian Horner says that social media uh, prompted the uh, what eventually became a, a protest uh, for uh, Lewis Hamilton's uh, uh, 
in, or I would say inability, but uh, his lack of reaction to slow to the yellow flags on his final qualifying lap. And um, they did request a review of that uh, infringement after uh, they were prompted by what they call intrigued on, or intrigue on uh, on social media. So they did uh, push the FIA and the stewards uh, just uh, the hours before the Grand Prix to uh, review the stewards' uh, decision from Saturday not to punish Hamilton for ignoring the yellow flags in that uh, final qualifying lap in uh, in Q3. And uh, at the time, the stewards uh, decided after speaking to Lewis that uh, the confusion over the yellow flags flags and green flags and and all that um they felt that there was no infraction that uh, that took place and they decided that uh, they didn't need to uh, to to penalize them anyways uh, there was an official uh, 360 degree video released by formula 1 that uh, came out uh, later on saturday night and it uh, highlighted uh, that hamilton had clearly passed one of the uh, the yellow flashing signboards uh, before he saw the green flags and uh, there there was a lot of discussion on social media and then uh, christian Corner said that uh, it was pointed out to them on social media, and there was uh, this different uh, 360 uh, camera angle uh, that uh, did show that uh, Lewis uh, was uh, still going flat out through the yellow light box, and um, seemed uh, that it was uh, it was inconsistent uh, you know, to what, what happened with uh, Max Verstappen, who was uh, punished in Mexico that one time for uh, ignoring uh, yellows in a similar uh, situ- situation. So, anyway, so they they got on the phone or the email or the smoke signals. Whatever whatever it was, asked the FAA to, to take a look at it. And uh, they actually admitted they hadn't seen the footage before that. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, uh, and they decided after looking at it uh, that Lewis, in fact, had, uh, you know, ha- had committed an infraction and uh, decided to, uh, aw- well, award him. <laughs> I, I guess that is not the, the, the correct uh, term, uh, but uh, in fact, to penalize him for that, uh, that uh, you know, ignoring the red, uh, sorry, the, the, the yellow flags and, uh, when uh, Bottas went off, so that that was quite a, a dramatic final uh, few moments in in Q3, and uh, honestly, I, I mean, we've uh, seen over the years that uh, whenever it's come to a situation like that, whenever Lewis needed to put that hot lap down, that uh, th- that he usually goes in and nails it. But that was one really really quick lap that uh, that Valtteri Bottas uh, put down in his first uh, hot lap in Q3 to uh, to to uh, claim provisional pull, and even. Uh, uh, not uh, or you know, ignoring the yellow flags uh, during uh, Bottas's little uh, escapade as a lawnmower, uh, Lewis uh, still wasn't uh, able to, uh, to to equal that uh, time by uh, Valtteri Bottas. What did he uh, miss it now? By it was like twelve hundredths or fifteen hundredths of a second or something like that. So very very small and very very close. And again, uh, like I was saying at the top of the show, it was just one of those very very frustrating days at the office or weekend uh, for 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 Lewis Hamilton for a number of reasons. Reasons. And like I said, we've seen over the years that when things uh, go contrary to, to plans and what, what Lewis uh, expects to do over the course of a weekend, he usually comes back and um, and really makes uh, amends for it in his own mind and comes in and just smashes it out of the, the, the park next weekend around. And uh, this weekend, it'll be interesting to see. I think we really will get an idea then if this championship is going to be between Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas this year. Anyways, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right, well, welcome back to the show. Sticking with Mercedes, Toto Wolf says that the gloves are off in their battle with Red Bull this year. So 
We're going to talk in a minute about uh, the the incident uh, between Lewis Hamilton and uh, Alexander Albon uh, later in the race. But uh, anyways, uh, Total Wolf, obviously team principal at uh, Mercedes-AMG Formula One, says it's a gloves-off battle with Red Bull in Formula One as uh, they line up to do uh, battle again this weekend at the Styrian Grand Prix. So while uh, Mercedes did win the, uh, the the opening race of the year, it uh, like I said, it was a bit of a, a difficult uh, weekend after um, Red Bull first uh, pro, you know, uh, protested the, their use of uh, the dual axis steering system, the review of uh, Lewis Hamilton's yellow flag uh, incident, and then they pushed them hard during the race. And then, of course, the uh, the, the coming together with uh, Alex Albon and Lewis Hamilton at, uh, at turn four, which was a similar situation to... Uh, Brazil last year. Anyways, uh, Toto uh, was, uh, yeah, well... (laughs) He's not pulling any punches himself, uh, to use a, a bit of a boxing metaphor there. He had to say, quote, I found that the protest on Friday was actually fair play, but not on Sunday, so I recognize that. And fair enough, if you want to have clarification, you can do that. Coming back on Sunday morning, turning around a decision on yellow flags from yesterday, if you have new evidence, that is what the rules allow. And as I said before, you have to take that on the chin. I think that in the race, putting all these things uh, together, the Hamilton penalty was uh, too harsh. But coming back to your questions, the glove are off end quote so uh obviously there is you got to do whatever you can to get an advantage in in, in formula one and uh i i can completely understand that uh, they they wanted clarification on the das i mean that was um i mean there was gonna that was always gonna happen going back to uh, you know months ago at winter testing in barcelona when we were all stunned to see you know what are Bottas and, and and hamilton doing what's this pushing and pushing on, or pulling on the steering wheel what is it actually doing and you know they they revealed to the world that they've uh you know designed and created this uh, system um and really kind of took everybody by surprise so I, th- I think a technical challenge like that or clarification was always going to come especially with some of the speculation coming from the stewards and from the fia that uh, okay the system in theory might be legal but it might uh, breach the, uh, the the park for May rules and things like that. So uh, it, it wasn't really a surprise that that was going to come. Uh, I, I think the real surprise um, for, for me was the actual uh, challenge, uh, you know, late uh, in, into the weekend after the qualifying, just uh, that we were talking about uh, before the break, this this new uh, footage from the, the official Formula One 360 cam that uh, showed Lewis, uh, uh, you know, not slowing down, going through the, uh, the, the yellow uh, flashing signboard. And uh, so, so that was kind of interesting there. But again, uh, I, I don't think that was uh, beyond. Uh, I don't think it was unreasonable for um, uh, you know the Red Bull to protest that. I mean, uh, there was new evidence. It, it clearly supported their 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 claim. And because uh, it, it was a little bit chaotic when you were watching the the, the TV feed, um, that the the camera kind of jumped around a little bit uh, because uh, you know they're focusing on the car, and of course uh, you know the producer has to jump uh, very quickly um, when uh, when Bottas, who's obviously one of the uh, the contenders for pole position, is all of a sudden uh, plowing through the infield and mowing down dandelions and things like that. Uh, that of course it's going to interrupt the the, the usual uh, flow of the uh, of the feed when you get. Uh, a situation like that uh, happening. So it was a little bit unclear at the time. Um, Afterwards, I didn't, you know, I'll be quite honest, after it happened uh, in in qualifying, I really didn't think too much more about it. I kind of maybe had um, one of those moments kind of like, huh, well, well, he kept going and it, it didn't really strike me at the time, but then I thought, well, maybe he was uh, further along the track and maybe he wasn't anywhere near the, uh, 
near the uh, the, the the yellow flags when uh, when Bottas went off. But like I said, I didn't really think too much into it at the time, so I was a little bit surprised when I woke up on uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, what with the race uh, starting just after six a.m. local time here on the West Coast, I think I got up at about five thirty. You know, get the coffee ready, get a little bit of breakfast, and I'm not a morning person anyway, so I needed a, a good half hour to wake up uh, <laughs> to some degree of uh, consciousness so I could enjoy the Grand Prix. And um, so I started going through reading some of the latest news and just checking uh, social media and all that. When I saw that Lewis had been uh, awarded the penalty, then it uh, it all kind of sank in uh, rather rather quickly. But still, I mean, there, there's all these different things uh, uh, coming up. And, and Ferrari is going to be a, a non-factor this year, unless they can really find some speed in this car and, and in this, uh, you know, the, the, these upgrades that they're going to be uh, bringing. It really uh, could be a season that are going to, going to be between Red Bull and uh, Mercedes this year. So like, like I said, uh, hopefully that uh, leads to a healthy rivalry uh, between these uh, two teams. And it could be fun on the track, uh, especially this weekend where Red Bull and uh, Mercedes um, have, uh, you know, the, the Mercedes haven't had uh, you know, an out and out advantage. They, they, they've struggled there at that track of the Red Bull ring over the past couple of years. So it'll be fun to watch again uh, this weekend. So Sticking again with uh, Red Bull and Mercedes, uh, Lewis uh, says that there's no bad blood between himself and Alex Albon, uh, despite the fact that uh, the, the second time that they've had a uh, you know uh, some hard uh, racing between the two of them, and uh, Lewis coming out on the wrong side of it uh, in both times uh, and and being penalized for it, he said that there's uh, there's no uh, bad blood or no bad feelings uh, uh, between them. Uh, anyways, uh, Lewis uh, had to said that uh, the circumstances were different in in, in both races. And uh, he said that uh, he accepted that um, that the the the, uh, the reason for the, um, the the incident in Brazil last year he he owned that he said that uh, that was his responsibility, but he thought uh, last weekend's uh, incident uh, when they made contact uh, was more of a racing incident. But I mean, after that uh, that safety car incident, I mean, uh, after they got past start finish and then they went um, through turns one, two, and three, I mean. Alex Albon was climbing all over the back of Lewis Hamilton's car, and I, I thought it was just a question of uh, not uh, you know if, but uh, when he was going to get around him. And uh, obviously th- that he'd have to do it uh, sooner rather than later, because if they kind of uh, got back into a bit of a rhythm, might be a little bit more difficult, especially if he had to uh, back off uh, for cooling issues or, or maybe not to overheat the tires, whatever the case uh, may uh, may be. But uh, I mean, it, it was it was exciting to watch that uh, half a lap or so with uh, with uh, Alex. Uh, all climbing all over uh, Lewis Hamilton there, but going uh, you know up and over the hill there and then down into turn four, uh, Lewis very wisely covering off uh, the inside to, to line to that corner, but uh, Alex having uh, none of it. I mean, Lewis did leave room on the outside of the track going into that corner, and uh, Alex Albon uh, obviously seen an opportunity there and trying to pass Lewis on the uh, on the outside, and Lewis he stuck to his line and uh, you know he pushed through. I mean, he it wasn't like the the infamous uh, Schumacher or chop or something crazy we might have seen from other guys uh, <coughs> Roman Grosjean uh, over the years so, excuse me I think I need a drink of water there uh, or uh, you know similarly uh, you know that you know situations where guys have not uh, covered themselves off uh, or uh, you know just done something uh, plain foolish a- anyways Lewis uh, he, he stuck to his line and uh, it was you know they were side by side but the thing was as they came out 
the uh, the the exit of that turn and as they start to go down the hill and then into that uh, that little uh, flick then to the right and then the hard left into those couple of uh, corners there into the the, the final uh, you know sector of the track I mean Alex Albon was three quarters of a car length uh, ahead and of course uh, Lewis hitting uh, uh, Alex Albon on the, the 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 right rear tire with his left front and I agree with Lewis it was a racing incident but at that point I think uh, it's fair to say that Alex uh, did uh, he had the he he was in front I mean he had nowhere really he could go Lewis I mean he didn't uh, he didn't uh, drive wide on that corner or do anything reckless it, it was a racing incident but I I think it's that th- this one I think the way that you're going to come down on it really I think is uh, going to be maybe more on uh, you know where your personal loyalties uh, lie uh personally I thought it was uh I thought it was uh, fair um and uh, at the same time that if uh, if they didn't uh, give him the 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 penalty I could have seen a case uh, for for, uh, for that as well so anyways uh, Lewis did have to say quote well firstly I have a few, huge amount of respect for Alex I think he's a super talented young man I don't have any bad blood bad feelings towards him whatsoever in brazil he saw me coming straight to him uh, that for uh, for me wholeheartedly my mistake and my problem i tried to face it with dignity i think today in my opinion was a racing incident he was on a much better tire i entered the corner committed in blocking obviously i was defending the position i took the corner as normal i had a, a lot of lock on to get around the corner uh, the track drops away when you get through the corner so a lot of people understeer through there however i didn't get back on the power i just continued to decrease my speed and he just jumped on the power being that he had so much grip he had uh, a car's width uh, to the left of him and ultimately we touched i think it's unfortunate we collided and i wouldn't want ever to collide with anyone i do think it was unfortunate but i have to respect the decision that the stewards ended up uh, taking there's nothing you can say otherwise about it end quote yeah you know i, I think he's he's bang on racing incident and uh, formula one game of inches right and um, they were both uh, pushing it to, to the limit uh, lewis wasn't uh, going to give an inch obviously and uh, Alex uh, pushing really hard uh, to, to get by. Uh, racing incident, no malice in it uh, from from Lewis, uh, in my opinion. And uh, it was just un- unfortunate. But like I said, off the top of the show, uh, Alex Albon, I think uh, that uh, was probably robbed a, a fairly decent opportunity to win that Grand Prix, being on the, uh, the, 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 the fresher, softer rubber. I can't remember. I don't have my notes here anymore. I think he had the mediums at the time and the, the, the two Mercedes cars on the, the older Hard, hard compound tires what with the the field nicely bunched up after spending a couple of laps behind the safety car it was right there wide open for Alex Albon so obviously uh, feeling a, a little bit frustrated that maybe was the one that uh, got away from him anyways uh, Albon said he would do the same thing again in another battle with uh, Lewis uh, Hamilton uh, he said uh, he still maintains there was enough space on the track to uh, complete the overtake he had to say quote I think the way the corner is let's say the exit point of where you take that corner is not where it looks like I think there's a certain camera angle where I saw where the people say there's a car length uh, to go still, but uh, you don't exit there. You don't exit at that point. The exit point is uh, a lot later in the corner because uh, turn four is quite long. So unless I uh, drove out to the edge of the track and then turned again, that's the only real way to give myself enough space. 100%, I would do the same thing again. I think it has to be done. You can't wait around, especially when they have a tire disadvantage and there's no waiting to be done really because obviously we knew they had a pace advantage and it was just a matter of time until the prime tire had warmed
warmed up, so there's no real regret on my side, end quote. So yeah, good take, uh, good to hear uh, from, uh, you know, uh, points of view uh, from, from both of them. Uh, Christian Horner has to weigh in as well, the team principal of uh, uh, Red Bull, and uh, he said that uh, Lewis Hamilton is the one that needs to race differently in the, the future uh, following his um, you know second incident with Alex Albon. And actually, when you look at it, it was the second time in three races, if you combine uh, the, the last couple of races from last year with uh, 2020. So these guys, uh, like I said, uh, not only do they have a, a history now, but it's actually uh, quite, uh, uh, you know, over a very short uh, amount of time. Anyways, uh, he was asked what uh, what advice he would give uh, Alex Albon about racing head-to-head with Lewis. And uh, Horner said, be careful. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, anyways, uh, he, um, he did have to say that, uh, he did go on to say that Alex uh, had won the corner and uh, was exiting and uh, Lewis had to stick a, uh, a wheel in there and uh, it was frustrating for them and for for Albon and uh, he said that uh, he feels that uh, that uh, Lewis has to change his approach rather than the other way around. Anyways, uh, sticking with the Red Bull, uh, Honda is to introduce uh, some uh, countermeasures after uh, they had a double DNF uh, in uh, in uh, in Austria last weekend. So uh, both cars uh, were checked uh, and were found to be healthy and in good state uh, after everything uh, last week. And so they had uh, two issues on the car last uh, last week. And uh, obviously Max uh, dropping out fairly early, Alex Albon making it uh, to several laps uh, from the end. Anyone's, uh, it's, pardon me, um, Toyoharu Tanabe, who is the Honda F1 technical director, said uh, that uh, the, the issues were both uh, the electrical, uh, were electrical with the cars caused by different reasons. He had to say, quote, we have been as- analyzing both of these matters together with the team and we've put uh, countermeasures in place for the weekend. As our power units do not have any damage caused by those issues, Max and Alex will use the same power units this weekend. This weekend, we must uh, aim to finish the race with all four cars and achieve a good result with them. And obviously, uh, he's uh, referring not only to Red Bull, but Alpha Tauri uh, used to be uh, uh, Toro Rosso, the, the, the B team, the uh, Red Bull Junior team, whatever you want to call it. Anyways, uh, Tanabe did uh, go on to say that that uh, having two races at the same track was uh, was a good thing, and he had to uh, finish up his thoughts saying, "Quotes: It means our data is up to date and relevant. Although one factor that could affect our work is the forecast for rain and even thunderstorms over the coming weekend." End quotes. So that would be. Uh, be uh that would be great. More, more pandemonium, more chaos. I think would be uh, certainly a, a good thing uh, to see uh, in the next uh, race of the year. Let's just keep it fun, keep it uh, you know uh, exciting on the track, and uh, let's see what uh, happens at the uh, the Styrian Grand Prix. It's set to go, and now looking at the clock, two hours forty one minutes twenty four seconds until FP one, and uh, I start to get a little bit uh, excited as this happens. Anyways. I'm going to take another break here. A couple more things to go before we shut it down. So don't go away. and We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Still quite a lot to get through here as we uh, we work through it, um, uh, all the latest news. So Mercedes uh, admits uh, now that uh, the W11 design is uh, actually causing the issues they're having with the uh, with the gearbox, uh, which uh, they, was a real problem uh, this uh, past uh, weekend. So their trackside engineering director, uh, Andrew Shovlin, uh, had to say that the gearbox problems uh, in Austria were not a one-off issue in the race. And it's something that the team has been uh, battling uh, throughout the entire 
their first uh, uh, race weekend of the year. Anyway, uh, Shovelin had to say, quote, we were aware of it on Friday when you saw that Valtteri uh, had an issue at the end of one of the sessions. So that was the first sign that we had a problem. But we've had recurring issues over the course of Saturday and going into the race, we were expecting it because it seems to be a feature of the model. So at the moment, if we build the car and run it, this problem will appear at some point. It's a question of how soon, end quote. Uh, so he had to say that the cause of the problem is uh, related to a buildup of uh, electrical inter- interference within the, the systems in the car itself. And then uh, it actually has uh, an impact on the gearbox and uh, and the sensors. So anyways, uh, he did have to say, uh, going on further, quote, it is not manifesting itself as one thing. It's basically a buildup of electrical noise uh, that starts to interfere with the various systems. With Valtteri, we saw this halfway around uh, through the race. It got perfect progressively worse with Lewis and it appeared later but it's an electrical noise then uh, that's affecting a lot of different things end quote so that is interesting that is not something that uh, that I've heard uh, before and they they admit that there's no quick fix for what they're calling a very complex uh, problem to uh, solve this uh, gearbox issue and uh, it certainly could be a problem again at the Styrian Grand Prix uh, that this uh, this weekend uh, head of strategy James Allen has said sorry James Voles has said uh, we have a a number of people at the back uh, at the factory working day and night for this in fact uh, we were working in parallel to the grand prix whilst the the grand prix was taking place they were already doing their utmost to try and understand what the problems were to get ahead of the issue before we get into this week we know that if we don't get on top of these issues it will be a problem again in just a few days time and the reality behind it is that it is a problem that could have cost one or both cars the opportunity to finish the race on sunday Equally, it's a complex problem, end quote. So that is interesting, but we've seen over the years that uh, that whenever they have an issue like that, they tend to really buckle down, throw all their resources at at it, and uh, they, they come back uh, stronger than ever. Just uh, go back, what was it, 2018, 2017, maybe, when they had uh, a really, really bad time in, uh, in Monaco, and uh, they'd struggled actually a couple of races. They took that, uh, that break off uh, between uh, Monaco and then uh, coming to Canada a couple of weeks later. And then it was a, a completely different uh, Mercedes, and uh, they just went on from there. Anyways, uh, Valtteri Bottas uh, revealed why he slowed down at uh, the end of the race uh, last weekend, and uh, he said it wasn't uh, an, uh, an attempt to back loose uh, into uh, the into the pack at uh, at the race there. And uh, Valtteri did say that uh, the reason why he'd slowed down was actually two and a half seconds off the pace was he's just kind of saving everything for a, a last lap attack uh, to get the, the the fastest lap of the race, and then also that uh, that single point uh, for for the both uh, yeah, the, the the bonus uh, that they uh, they give out now. Anyways, uh, Ola Kalinos, uh, CEO of Mercedes, has um, basically put to rest any talk of a, an internal feud with uh, with Total Wolf, um, and uh, said that uh, quote, uh, "Well, not everything." you read in the media is true. Toto and I are very close. We speak quite often and I'm very happy to be here and support the team after all the hard work that they have done over the winter. End quote. So there you go. The, uh, the, the vague but somewhat maybe revealing <laughs> comment. So who knows? Anyways, uh, so just uh, talking now uh, about, uh, well, we I mentioned it briefly at the beginning of the show, um, just about, uh, or earlier in the show, about uh, you know Lewis's contract situation with uh, Mercedes. Obviously, he doesn't have a contract in place. Anyways, uh, Toto was, uh, he's uh, dismissed what he calls nonsense speculation that uh, Mercedes are just flat out uh, unwilling to meet uh, Lewis's uh, salary demands and uh, that they actually haven't had any uh, discussions about uh, money. So anyways, uh, 
um, apparently uh, Hamilton uh, said, uh, or this was in the Daily Mail newspaper uh, last uh, week, last Friday, saying that Lewis wants 40 million pounds a year. And uh, apparently uh, in the report, uh, it said that uh, Toto had set a limit of uh, roughly half that amount. So 20 million a year, which is still a lot of money. Anyways, uh, uh, Toto had to go on and say uh, to to the media, "Stop making shit up." End quote. <laughs> so there you go. I don't know how you can deny it any more uh, uh, emphatically the, than that. Anyways, it's been a long time in the, in the show so far before we get to, to uh, Ferrari. But uh, Sebastian Vettel says that the SF one thousand um, was unrecognizable in the Grand Prix on Saturday compared to uh, earlier in the weekend when he was actually quite encouraged by the way that the car was uh, was Hamilton or sorry. Hamilton handling my goodness a bit of a slip there anyways uh, when he was uh, talking on Monday night he uh, said quote since I uh, spend time between the races here I took advantage of the sunshine I was on the mountain I cleared my head it was good to be out in the fresh air today nobody was on the mountain I was alone and had time for myself this feels good in this situation the speed was simply missing we are still looking there are maybe two or three things that are not quite ideal the car was unrecognizable uh, to the feeling I had on Friday so all in all it wasn't a good day with me Uh, end quote anyways uh, when he was asked about the uh, the coming together that he had with Carla Science at turn three, um, while uh, Science was uh, actually uh, dicing with uh, with a teammate Charles Leclerc after the restart after the safety car, uh, Vettel had to say, "quote It wasn't supposed to be an attack. I just wanted to be as close as possible. The two of them were fighting a bit. I didn't expect Carlos to move in at the last minute. Uh, it's my fault. I didn't want to touch him, and then I dropped the anchor and locked uh, the rear wheels uh, for not having a handbrake. I think I did a good job, but of course, it was not intentional to turn the car around. I was uh, very annoyed about." it in retrospect i can describe the situation as i saw it from the cockpit but still it must not happen this is an absolute no-go without it i would have had much better chances end quote yeah it wasn't really the the, the best uh, best thing for a uh, sebastian in that race dropped him down basically to the back of the pack and then uh, only finishing p10 for a single point by the time it was all over Anyway, so apparently Ferrari losing 0.7 of a second uh, per lap on the straights, and they looked really slow. They looked really vulnerable, and uh, it, it really does make you wonder now what's the uh, you know what the that secret FIA ruling on the the, the Ferrari power unit was uh, last year. Uh, of course, uh, they they haven't revealed uh, what the, the the issues were. I mean, this keeps popping up even as recently as last week. Uh, but uh, again, it really makes you wonder what uh, what what the deal was because uh, that their straight line speed was one of the uh, their strong points uh, last year and uh, and this past weekend especially not looking good and if you look uh, to what the the, the disadvantage uh, was it, uh, it it was it it was obvious without even uh, uh you know uh, you know taking some uh, some uh, you know times on it anyways uh Matteo Bonato team principal of Ferrari had to say quote we need to improve our car as there are some miscorrelations with the design the car behavior and especially on the aero that's a development we have started again coming back from the lockdown and hopefully we will have very soon at the racetrack it will not be the final solution there is no silver bullet what is important for us to improve those types of behaviors end quote so yeah they they got a lot of work uh, to do uh they've decided to uh, bring forward some of the updates uh, that they can for the Styrian Grand Prix this uh, this weekend they were originally were going to uh, to introduce them in uh, Hungary in a couple of weeks time uh Hungarian Grand Prix is uh, set for the middle of uh, the the month next weekend uh, from uh, the 16th to the 19th of uh, July but they've uh, pushed that uh, forward um to uh, try and get 
everything on the car uh, for the the Styrian Grand Prix uh, this weekend rather than next weekend. At the very least, they're going to have some of the uh, the, the updates uh, available, and so they've been uh, working flat out uh, at Maranello to uh, to get this uh, uh, done and completed and onto the car uh, this weekend. Uh, so we'll, we'll wait and see whether or not uh, they're able uh, to do that. But uh, certainly, Ferrari needs something because uh, they are they're. I don't think they they looked like they were one of the top three team last weekend. Uh, to me, they even looked like uh, they were a step behind uh, uh, McLaren and, and Racing Point, who looked uh, very very uh, str- strong as well. Anyways, uh, this there Ferrari is actually calling uh, the Sestirian Grand Prix, the second race at the the Red Bull Ring this weekend, a massive opportunity to to test uh, their upgrades. Uh, Sebastian Vettel had to say, "quote We don't know how long the season will be, but for sure it will be a good indication for us to see if it's in the right direction for us or not." I think uh, you will always have certain expectations, but the best answer is a stopwatch when you get on the track. Obviously, is one what we feel. The other one is the times we are clocking. So we are excited about and obviously interesting to see the direct comparison to last weekend where we will end up. I think it's a massive opportunity for us to have the race held at exactly the same place. So I hope we will get some answers and quotes. So yeah, we'll see what they bring. And uh, they do have an upgraded uh, front wing as uh, part of uh, one of the updates. And uh, it'll be interesting to see by the time, uh, you know, t- tomorrow morning when uh, I get up for, for work, whether or not uh, they've uh, had a good running excuse me, an FP1 or not. Now, sticking with Ferrari, uh, Ferrari, or sorry, uh, Sebastian Vettel is challenging Ferrari's claim over the, uh, and um, descriptions over their contract uh, decision to let him go at the end of uh, this year. And uh, he's uh, really countering and calling out to Matteo's Bonato's uh, uh, stance that it was the, the, the COVID-19 crisis that was the trigger for his uh, change of heart or philosophy that uh, d- decided him not to uh, renew his uh, contract. Anyways, uh, Bonato said uh, before the Austrian uh, Grand Prix that uh, while uh, Vettel was uh, their first choice, the pandemic uh, made them uh, decide to, to change their preferences. And uh, anyways, uh, Sebastian uh, had to say, uh, quote, yes, that's what I said. Uh, I think that the last five years haven't brought what I think was the goal from both sides. Still, I think that it would have been an option to continue and work on that goal in any case. And that had been communicated in the same way I was told we want to continue until I got a phone call out of nowhere when I was told that there would be no offer that there would be no future that surprised me at first the conditions with corona and so on I don't want to harp on about it now I don't think they'll be that decisive there were also some reports that we could not agree on the financial aspects so that was not an issue at all and would not have been an issue if you have been in Formula 1 for so long you've been lucky enough to be so successful and then on the other hand uh, gain a certain independence that certainly would not have been an obstacle which is why it was uh, surprising. But well, at the the decision as it is, I don't have a problem with it and it's accepted as it is, but I am still trying to do my job this year and do a better job yet than yesterday and do the best for the team to bring this to a good end, end quote. So interesting, uh, just had a feeling at the time that uh, just how it came down out of nowhere and it was kind of like the, the, the mutual decision to part ways. I just had a feeling something was going to shake out uh, over over time and uh, it, uh, it really is uh, interesting to, to, to hear, uh, you know, uh, Sebastian, uh, you know, explain it from his point of view. But Mark Weber, a former teammate of uh, Sebastian Vettel, says um, he says in his mind that uh, the, the marriage, as he called it, between Ferrari and Sebastian is is over and done with, and uh, he feels that uh, that Seb's exit uh, from the from the Scuderia can't uh, come uh, fast enough. So he was talking in the Fastlane podcast. He had to say the 
quote, the relationship is over, the chemistry is gone, the marriage is over. Sebastian is dressed in red, he's driving a red car, but he's there for himself. In some scenarios, you wish it could be over now because that's uh, pretty much how it's looking. From a dynamic perspective, I think Sebastian was empty after the race. I think uh, the Seb scenarios, the sooner that's over, the the better for everyone concerned, end quote. And, uh, you know, contrast that uh, with the, the, the opinion and thoughts of another former teammate, and that's uh, Alfa Romeo's uh, Kimi Raikkonen. Of course, uh, Seb and Kimi were uh, teammates at, uh, at Ferrari for several years until uh, the end of uh, 2018. Of course, uh, Charles Leclerc got bumped up uh, to uh, Ferrari last year. Anyways, uh, Kimi, uh, he's got a bit of doubt uh, between uh, you know some of the reports uh, that uh, that uh, the relationship between Seb and Ferrari has uh, completely gone off, and uh, he said that uh, he is certain that the team will give him uh, equal treatment uh, to, uh, to to Charles Leclerc. Anyways, uh, Sebastian uh, did go on to say that uh, he would uh, go back uh, to Red Bull if uh, he was uh, offered a, a Formula One deal to go back there. Uh, that would be uh, very very interesting. And uh, Seb uh, did have to say, "quote." Uh, or when he was asked about, um, he uh, did have talks with that Renault Overdrive, uh, but it didn't really get to um, uh, a real advanced stage. But he had to say, quote, yes, I did, but it obviously at no point concrete enough or fundamental talks or real talks. As you've seen as well, they've gone in a different direction. It doesn't change much for me. It really depends on my decision, which I'm not pressured to take in the next couple of days. I will take uh, the time that I need to uh, decide, end quote. Um, anyways, uh, when he was asked uh, what he would like to do, and he said that everything is an option at the moment, and that uh, includes uh, the, the, uh, the, the options of carrying on in Formula One, take a sabbatical, or just uh, flat out retire. But uh, he says he's uh, still uh, got a lot of motivation to stay in Formula One uh, with a competitive team and, and wants to do more in the sport. And uh, he just uh, flat out said, uh, uh, it's not a secret that I am competitive, end quote. So uh, he did say that uh, that uh, he would uh, be uh, open uh, to going back uh, to, uh, to, to to Red Bull. I mean, uh, we're seeing that's kind of the, the, uh, the, the thing to do with some drivers that have been around for a while, like uh, Fernando Alonso, go back where it all started from. Uh, which is, uh, was, uh, which is kind of cool. But, um, anyways, uh, we will see whether or not that happens. Um, uh, Red Bull, obviously in a, in a pretty good place with, uh, with Max Verstappen, uh, obviously looks like a, a potential Formula One world champion at, uh, at some point. And then also, uh, Alex Albon going to be a driver to watch, uh, this, uh, this, uh, year as well. See what, uh, he can do in a full season with, uh, Red Bull. And then finally, as we, uh, we wrap it up here, uh, Mugello is, uh, looking more and more like to be a lock, uh, into the, the next round of, uh, races, uh, for this uh, year. And uh, it's looking like it might be given the um, the weekend of September 13th uh, to at least uh, maybe get on the calendar following the the last of um, the European races at Spa and Monza uh, at the end of uh, August and then the first weekend in, uh, in, in September. So we'd have a, a three week triple header, which would be kind of uh, close. And um, anyways, uh, we're also looking like uh, we're going to have the, the Russian Grand Prix at Sochi uh, confirmed in the, the original date of uh, September 27th. And uh, even though um, the organizers have uh, begun to advertise ticket sales after putting them in the hold in, in the past, uh, and uh, it, it was uh, and, and supposedly could be one of the races uh, that could be one of the first races this year that might allow s- spectators to attend on some level. So we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, anyways, it's looking... Uh, 
more more and more likely that uh, the Canadian Grand Prix might not take place after the uh, the, the the Russian Grand Prix. So uh, weather conditions uh, meant that early October was the only realistic uh, uh, window to run the uh, the the the, uh, the the Canadian Grand Prix in uh, Montreal. And uh, now perhaps uh, Portimao in uh, Portugal might get uh, that uh, that uh, weekend instead. Uh, and uh, even though uh, though there's still a lot of uh, doubt going on there. It looks like well, we might have a Chinese and Vietnamese Grand Prix uh, at some point in the fall with uh, possible dates uh, being given to the uh, revised uh, calendar sometime in uh, late um October and that would be kind of cool because I mean uh, Vietnam was uh, something I was looking forward to with the new track in Hanoi obviously that was called off uh, what with the uh, the, the pandemic situation uh, Vietnam has uh, done uh, fairly good in the whole covid uh, situation and uh, it would be great to see if we could uh, get back there in China as well if uh, things uh, continue to go there go well there as uh, well anyway so that's uh, I think that's about it it's uh, starting to get late here I'm starting to get sleepy I got time to ahead of me to pro Process this and uh, get it out uh, for download. But hey, that's part of the fun of doing what I do. Anyways, thank you so much as always for downloading and uh, listening to the show. Thank you for your uh, messages, your comments, and your thoughts. If you want to get in touch, please do so. Send me an email email at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com or tweet me at scuderiaf1pod. And if you like the show, best way to support us is go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you download and listen to to podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a review because it really does help. Anyways, that's it. That's a wrap for this show. Enjoy the Styrian Grand Prix. We'll be back soon enough to uh, to break that one down and see what uh, goes on at the Red Bull Ring. And as we get the season up and running in earnest. So we'll look forward to it. So enjoy the race this weekend and we'll talk again soon. Bye for now. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.